Hey, church friends, we would like to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. We really do appreciate every single one of you. And really, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you just want to share your thoughts or what your favorite topic was that we covered, please, please feel free to email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Chris will read that email and let me know what it says. <laughs> also, if you enjoyed the show, please do the following to help us out. Follow or subscribe to whichever podcasting platform you listen to, and then share it with your family, your friends, and the people who attend your church. And really, all this stuff is run by algorithms, so you doing those simple things really helps get the podcast into more ears. And remember, Your Church Friends Podcast is here to be a resource to you to help you understand God's Word in a more clear and personal way. All so that we can grow closer in our relationship with God. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It currently takes you to all of our social media accounts and places where you can listen to each and every episode. The website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because, wait, what was it again? Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, that's right, because we rocks. Lost. Deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. Welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yurlich. My back is jacked up. Hasn't it been? Yeah, it's been like this for like a couple of weeks off and on, but like the last week or so, it's gotten progressively like worse. It just feels like stiff and tight in certain areas, like from the whole left side. Did you and get back into your uh, semi-professional wrestling? No, that's where it all started. That is definitely where I think this issue of my back started. But uh, I was taking a shower and I went to wash my back with the washcloth and I just felt it. And I was like, oh no, my back. And since then, it's just been off and on and spotty. And it's, uh, it makes me feel old when that's how I hurt myself. I mean, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where I'm like, oh, man, I've definitely, uh, definitely crossed that bridge of like sleeping or moving hurts me. Did you ever watch that video I sent you? Which one? It was the comedian, and he oh, was yeah, talking yeah. about, I hurt myself in my sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I was so sore, but I was scared to take a nap in case <laughs> I hurt myself worse. Yes, I did it again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did see that one. That was funny. That uh, resonated a lot with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, um, I guess to bring myself down a little bit so that we can both be there as we go into the Book of Lamentations. <laughs> yeah, I am lamenting right now of the pain. Uh so I've been working out more, and it's funny because I'll well, normally breakfast been eating just some like oatmeal and fruit and whatever. And Delilah is just like, "You need to have protein." She's super big on g- good breakfasts, and she's like, "Protein, protein." And I didn't have any really yesterday, and so this morning she's like, "You need to have protein." I'm like, "You just saw me eat an egg." She's like, "You had one egg." what are you, a teenage girl? You're like, you need to eat like at least three or four eggs. Like, you're working out. What do you do? Yeah. Like, so first you get on me because I'm not eating protein. Now I'm not eating enough protein. But just the way that she's... <laughs> it's just so funny. 
It's like, dang, I didn't know I was getting invited to my own roast this morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So now I need to eat more eggs, otherwise I'm a teenage <laughs> You're girl. a teenage girl, yeah. 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 My bad back, you're not enough protein. I think this is going to be a good show. Yeah. Yeah, we're lamenting. Yeah. I was going to say more. (laughs) I know this isn't going to get released for a few weeks, but I would rather preserve my future marriage. I'm going to shut my mouth. (laughs) Hey, you got like a month or so before she hears it. Yeah, which means she's going to just randomly be like, hey, like, why are you mad at me? The best part is you're going to be completely, you're like, you'll completely forget. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you'll be like, I have I'm being kind to my future self. (laughs) I don't need to crack those sarcastic (laughs) comments right now. I'm in control of what happened. Somewhat. Yeah, good good call. Reel it in. in. All right, lamentation. I'm uh, so I'll set up because I do have some stuff at the beginning, but I'm really interested on where you're headed with it because you did preface the whole like listen to the message translation, and it will help where you know with what you're getting into. So speaking of forgetting, I forgot that's what. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so lamentations. Uh, just a quick catch up is set after Jerusalem's destruction by Babylon. Uh, the book is composed by five poems that mourn everything that just happened. So poem one is the daughter of Zion. That's chapter one, cries out to uh, no one really about the misery and suffering that's going on. Uh, Chapter two is the second poem. Uh, The direction of the outcry shifts to God and the destruction as an act of God. The third poem is chapter three, and this is now a male voice who assumes the acceptance and repentance of what just happened. Um, At the center of this poem is a profound statement of hope and faith that God's promises and compassions will lead to restoration, uh, which I will get into more down in this episode. And then chapter four is the fourth poem. It acknowledges the ongoing effects of trauma, the invasion, uh, the former glories and loss. That's actually verse one. And then the people have been stripped of their humanity in different ways. And I think we touched on that where the moms mm-hmm. eating the children. Um, God's actions were justified in this punishment and the sins of the prophets and the iniquities of the priests are identified as the cause. And then some suggest that this one was composed later uh, because, you know, some time had gone on and they get to reflect on it afterwards. And then the fifth poem is a summary of the people's sins, suffering directed to God, and a call for God to restore uh, the people. And that's the end of the book. Uh, but Jeremiah agrees, uh, but he still has faith in God. He's crying out to mercy. Uh, and the, the, the poem and the entire book conclude without a clear sign of hope or restoration. Uh, so I thought this was very interesting. I also then last night, and we were talking about this before we started recording, uh, right before I went to bed, so I didn't finish it, put on a movie called Jeremiah that was about Jeremiah. And I'm really interested to see how it finishes because I think I saw like the first 15 minutes. But the first 15 minutes did set it up pretty cool where they found the scrolls. Uh, during King Josiah's reign. And I mean, the movie could go horribly wrong <laughs> after this point, but uh, it was kind of cool the way they were shaping Jeremiah and his character. So I was just really, I'll just picture you because you're old. <laughs> you turned on a movie <laughs> and fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's what us old people yeah, do. Oh man, this is. It was like at uh, 5 p.m. after I had dinner <laughs> at 4. <laughs> Put on my stretchy pants and fell asleep. I got in my comfy chair and just (laughs) knocked out. Yeah, I always wondered when I was a kid, like every Sunday, like we would come back from church and my dad would just knock out. Yeah. Like, what is this? And now, 
Sunday afternoon nap is fantastic. It is. I mean, for me personally, I take them more because it's it's a drain to put out that much energy to be around people. Like it is a source of I am tapping deep into the well to 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 be We can't be called your church friends and you'd be like, <laughs> it's really a drain. <laughs> well, I work on it. I'm really trying to be there in the presence of people, but it's not my nature. So I'm I'm working against my nature and doing what God's wanted me to do, I guess. But that's lamentation. Yes, that's lament. Yeah, that was that was a good breakdown there. Um, and what you were saying, you wanted to kick it over to me. Yeah. So looking at the message translation, really, um, I've been going on runs in the morning, so throwing my headphones and just listening to lamentations, which uh, I didn't realize how. Speaking of drains, how non-energetic that was yeah i would go out for a run and like turn it up so it's loud loud in the headphones and i'm running and because of the message translation i'm not thinking too hard it's just kind of coming through and i didn't realize just how draining it was until one day i was like oh you know what kind of finished through the book let me turn on some music and i put some music on and i just took off sprinting and i was like (laughs) oh i wasn't even running this time this book was just (laughs) really sad and slowing me down um, it's like putting on jewel and going for a run. Like that's just not happening. Especially because anybody listening to a podcast is too young to know what jewel is. <laughs> Notice I said what jewel is rather yeah, than who. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at the message translation, and maybe I'll just use chapter one to to pull out some ideas from it. Um, kind of as I was listening to it, I got these two ideas coming out. And one was taking the image of what was happening in Jerusalem and taking it as a pastor would, as we're calling this more of the preaching side, and pulling out, almost personalizing Mm -hmm. all of it. Mm -hmm. So looking at what was happening to the city as what happens to you as a person. Yeah. Um, But then also taking it as the message that prophets bring, which is the prophets are bringing these messages to the nation side. And the more that we've just been in these Old Testament prophets and hearing what they're talking about, and then really looking at lamentations and seeing what happens when this day of judgment comes, really looking at that and be like, I do not want to go through that here in this nation. So, you know, just looking at the nation level as well and just being like, God is being really patient in America right now and, you know, other nations too, I'm sure, but you won't be mocked and you can only go for so long until, like we said, like that anger boils over and then Mm -hmm. he's justified in what he does and just seeing what that looks like from this firsthand account really being like, it's obviously not too late for us to repent because we're not in this, Mm -hmm. but just this seeming... um, I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of it with this, but we see this on the personal side with sin, but I think that also it happens on the national side or on the bigger scale as well, is that me as a person, I can be rebellious in little things, right? And just, I'm going to be disobedient or I'm going to allow sin in and fall into a habit of that maybe and just really not falling into what I know God's will is and just not submitting to that. And it seems so small, but we don't get to choose what the consequence looks like. Mm-hmm. And what sin does is it convinces us that either the consequence won't come or it'll be manageable and it'll be fine in, in the end. 
but so often is that it's that slippery slope to where mm-hmm. whatever it is that you are doing, but judgment can come suddenly and when you're not expecting it and it comes at a price that honestly we're not really willing to pay <laughs> yeah, and wanting to pay. And I just see that that with God's patience with us as a nation and kind of feeling like, well, no, like we still kind of have time. It's like we don't get to choose how suddenly judgment will come. Right. And once it comes, it's not like, wait, 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 like back off. Like mm-hmm. we're, we'll fix it now. It's like, no, nah, it's too late. Yeah. So that's just kind of on a broader side of listening to all of these prophets and just really having a concern for us as a nation. And we can look at, but aren't there worse nations? Isn't there this? Isn't there that? And it's like, isn't that what the prophets say? <laughs> Where they're just like, well, look at Babylon or look at, you know, the Moabites or look at them. It's just like, yeah, they'll get judged too. But I'm going to use those worse ones to come in. And we were talking about that last time, right? With Babylon coming in yeah. and like being the form and they're looking at, but the Babylonians, they're so bad. Like mm-hmm. judge them instead. It's like, yeah, they'll have their time. But and not that I'm trying to put down America. I just have a concern because I can see generationally. We were talking about earlier how technology has shifted so much. Yeah. Just in our lifetime, the like technology's taken that huge leap. I can look at the huge leap away from God that's happened in my lifetime to where the norms of me and you growing up, even for people that didn't go to church and weren't involved or whatever, like just the general culture mm-hmm. is something completely different now. And I can't go through prophets and see the truth that God's revealing and then look at what's happening in our country and be like, yeah, this should be fine. I actually like that. Do you? Cause I don't No, I actually like that you <laughs> went there because, uh, for everyone listening, we don't really compare notes a lot on the show. We're not that ever. organized. Or Sometimes ever. you tell me, hey, I posted the questions yeah. the, the night before. The night before, and I'm like, good luck. <laughs> uh, but my first thing was reading uh, verse 8 and 9. And when I reread uh, Lamentations, it really stood out to me. Uh, chapter 1, it's uh, Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her naked. Uh, she herself groans and turns away. Her filth clung to her skirt. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. Uh, there was no one to comfort her. Look, Lord, oh my afflictions, for the enemy has triumphed. And that part right there that really stood out to me, so it's talking about the sin and, and everything in chapter 1 is talking about what's happening, what they did to contribute to what's happening. Uh, but that part where uh, her filth clung to her, her skirt, like it's it's stained, right? Like the clothes that she's mm-hmm. wearing is stained. She did not consider the future is what stood out to me the most. And uh, I wrote down in my Bible a long time ago when I read it, we don't think about what sin could do in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're hitting at is like, we just don't consider the future. We don't look at the end result of sin. And even when we get to this book of Lamentation, uh, we're really looking at God warning his people for 900 years uh, that if they didn't follow, this is what's going to happen. And I think while we're in the midst of what, what we're doing things, we don't necessarily consider what the consequence is. And that's the way sin really works in our life. Like, it doesn't tell you that what's pleasurable now, because let's, let's really face it, like most sin, there's an enjoyment in it in the moment. Mm-hmm. But nothing is telling you that what's going to happen down the road and how it's going to affect your life in the future. 
Um, I like Oswald Chambers. He said, sin enough and you will soon be unconscious of sin. Yep. And the I, searing of your conscience. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really good quote to look at. But it, it's just, again, the, it confirms that the world, sadly, it's, it's suffering due to the sin's presence. And the full effect of sin and suffering is uh, held back by God's uh, intercession only. But Lamentations is that book of God's hand almost being removed from the protection of Jerusalem. And again, this is years after years of him waiting for his people to turn. Mm -hmm. And then finally the city falls, the hammer drops. Yeah. So looking at that, I'm not going to draw correlations between, well, America is the new Jerusalem and all the replacement, <laughs> like whatever all of that weirdness does. That's not what I'm saying. But when I just see that, and not even that God would treat other nations other than Israel, like I think that Israel has a special place in, you know, how, how God treats. But just taking those points of, in the message, um, you, said, you read eight and nine, right? Mm-hmm. Jerusalem, who outsinned the whole world, is an outcast. Mm. All who admired her despise her now that they see beneath the surface. Miserable, she groans and turns away in shame. She played fast and loose with life. She never considered tomorrow, and now she's crashed royally with no one to hold her hand. Look at my pain, O God, and how the enemy cruelly struts. So kind of when we're talking on the nation side, I know that people can get super offended and like, oh, you're talking about America, me and all this stuff. And just like nations are taken as a collective. Mm -hmm. And we, especially in this nation, are allowing our leadership to do certain things. And there's a lot that get done that we are ignorant of that is now coming to light. And it's not only coming to light in our country, but it's coming to light globally. And that's where I saw that all who admired her despise her now that they see beneath the surface. And this isn't me being anti-American. I just think that there's a lot of stuff coming to light right now that when you look at world news from other nations looking at us, and I'm not just saying like, oh, people were making fun of Trump or this or that. I'm just talking about actual things that have happened historically that are coming out to light to where like there's a big distancing going on. Mm -hmm. And the view of what America was even 15 years ago to what it is now, it's kind of that people are backing out and how verse signs is like with no one to hold her hand mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know what i'm like i don't want to get too political but we're talking about nations and yeah i feel like so often you get either when pastors talk politically they come either from one of the party sides or doing whatever and trying to do that i'm just looking at it from the as a nation, you can go against God and your leaders can do stuff and your people can do stuff. And we can't even just be people and be like, oh yeah, those people in government, mm -hmm. they've been going off and doing all this with the money and they've been going off and being all corrupt and all this stuff. It's just like, no, because even on the societal level, we've been turning away from God in so many ways that our society and our communities are breaking down and we haven't been pursuing after those things. And this is, Lamentations isn't written to a pagan nation, it's written to God's people. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking at this and reading this, it's just like the church within America. That's kind of how I'm reading that. It's like, okay, who's God's people here? What have we been letting go and why is judgment coming in, you know? Yeah, I really like that first part in the message. The Jerusalem has outsinned, mm -hmm. as where like, I think the NRV has, uh, is, has become out, uh, unclean. But just to really think of that, to capture that idea, like we have outsinned the rest of the nations, um, or Jerusalem has outsinned the rest of the nations, like 
that's that's a hit to really what this group of people was supposed to be, what they were designed to be and what they were designated to be. Um, if you look at chapter 2, verse 15, it says, All who pass your way clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? And when God was designing and creating the place, the city that he would eventually dwell in, the city that he would eventually fill, that temple, it was supposed to be the joy of the whole the whole world. It was supposed to be that because it was supposed to be the place where uh, the people were bringing the nations into God's people. Mm-hmm. But instead, they were influenced by the nations. They were right. swayed by the practices, and they became nothing more than another nation instead of God's people. And, uh, you know, I actually have written down, uh, can the church today be called the perfection of beauty, a joy to the whole earth? Right. And then I kind of internalized it, and I put, can I be called the perfection of beauty? Right, because the church is us. Right, and the joy to the whole earth. Are my actions, my lifestyles, and how I live, is there any difference between that or culture? Or has culture influenced the day, like you were saying, that the desire for more of God is kind of fading? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it because culture has just influenced the church so much, and me personally, that there is no difference between the two of us? And that's on that point of in chapter one was talking about outs in the whole world and looking Mm -hmm. at that like it's not even needing to be the super egregious stuff but when you have god's people who have been given the light and been given the law and been given in our time grace and truth and the holy spirit and when we've been given so much and don't walk in it it's i mean jesus tells about it's like hey if you're somebody that knows what to do and you don't do it you're in mm-hmm. a worse spot than someone that was ignorant and you didn't so like it is a greater sin for us and we're looking at well what are these sins and it's like well the greatest commandment is love and when you brought in like living like the pagan nations and doing that like they just became another nation if we're not i'm not walking in the fullness of what jesus showed love to be towards god towards I'm married, so towards my wife, towards my children, towards my greater family, towards my neighbor. And when we look at that, that's where all of these stories that Jesus said, I'm going to teach you. Well, who's my neighbor? I was mm-hmm. like, your, your political enemy is your neighbor. Right. Your social enemy is your neighbor. The people who were oppressing you, you need to pray for them and you need to bless them. Go the extra mile for them. Turn the other cheek to them. And just all of these things that Jesus teaches us how to love properly, to completely die to self and live to love and to give is better than to receive. And all of these things that we're taught is like to just be an American, it's not comprised of those things. Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking at like out sinning, because it's just like the world is going to do what the world does out of ignorance and not knowing better, even where they do know they're just in active rebellion. But if the church, like you were saying, if me and you aren't going out and laying down our lives in those ways to not just say that we believe, but embody it, to let the Spirit of Christ really live through us in a way that's tangible to other people, then like that's disobedience, that's rebellion, and that brings in judgment. I think really, too, uh, the, the separation is sin is that sin itself is self-centered. Mm-hmm. Right, So if we're talking about a nation that's supposed to bring people in or is supposed to be loving God and loving others, it is so difficult to love God or someone else in the midst of sin because sin is all about gratifying me yeah. in, in this moment. Uh, so it's the contrary of the two. If, if we're living in sin, 
if we're constantly moving in that direction, we're constantly living on what's going to satisfy me more than what's going to satisfy God or other people, what's going to bring them joy and pleasure. And that's where Jerusalem has seeped into. They had seeped into all about what made them happy. And if you look at, uh, I think Judges is like the perfect book for this because it constantly goes, and they did what was right in their own eyes. Mm -hmm. And then if you follow the trail, you know, if, if you're not reading it as like the Bible as it is in the in the book, but if you actually follow the trail of the books that follow Judges. You're talking about chronological? Yeah. Okay. So if you if you go that route, you'll see uh, a good king steps up, but then, you know, they do bad, and then a, another king comes in and does what he wants and does, and it's a constant. Something, yeah, the Judges, like, yeah. for as long as that person was alive, things were good. And then a king would come and just totally wreck everything because now he's setting up places for them to worship, to live however they want and incorporating. I heard this. I thought that it was really cool too from uh, Heiser's podcast, Naked Bible Project. Is that it? No. It was a Naked Bible Podcast. Naked Bible Podcast. I'm confusing him and the Bible Project guys. Uh, but uh, he's going through First Samuel and when he gets to the point of Saul being king, he said, you have to look at the wording. They said, and it's not that they're anti-king and that God was anti-king because he set up rules if you had a king in Deuteronomy of how that king should live. So he's not against the concept of a king, but what they asked for was a king like the other nations. Right. And so they were asking for someone who would rule like them, who would kind of lead in that way. And that's what they ended up getting at first, is a king who was all about himself. And that's contrary to what God wants from us because he wants us focused in on him and other people. And, and I got this one. I thought this was cool. It's an anonymous quote, uh, but it said, he who swims in sin will sink in sorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, when I read it, I was like, that's what Lamentations is saying. Yeah, looking at that self-centeredness that you're talking about, and again, just the sin, I think that it's so easy to look at egregious sins, right? The ones that are worse than, we can always look at the ones that are worse than, but sin is sin and God is against it. And I believe uh, shall not covet is one of the big 10, right? Mm -hmm. And you have the apostle Paul. So pretty big name there in the Bible. He's saying, if the law didn't tell me not to do that, I wouldn't have known that that was sin. Because like you're saying, it's normal in our nature. So like, what is it to covet? Mm -hmm. To look at what somebody else has and desire that. That's where Paul says, I had to learn the secret to become content. And when you look at, well, coveting is sin. It's one of the big 10. What happens when we all hop on social media? What happens when we're driving and we look at the people around? What happens when we're doing that? It's just like, are you content? Am I actually mm -hmm. content with where I am to whatever God is providing at the moment? They're like, no, I'm content. I'm grateful. I'm filled with gratitude. I'm filled with thankfulness. Or am I just looking around at everything that everyone else has and can't wait to have what they have and what can i do to get what they have and again that's that self because just like if i'm worried about what can i do to get that next thing and it never ends mm -hmm. like i have know enough people that have a lot of money that it never ends yeah you get to that level and it's the game and you, you keep going it's like if i'm constantly needing to pull that in for me then one i'm sinning because covetousness but also i'm sinning because how open is my hand towards the needy? Mm -hmm. Here's another thing that can happen. Well, if I give my tithe, God should bless me, right? And we can turn tithes into like, well, open up the storehouses, God. <laughs> like a weird thing mm -hmm. of just like, this is going to propel me forward. 
rather than it being like a spiritual deepening and like relationship building with God, again, it's just all coming from the wrong spot. So that's where I'm just highlighting like one thing because like, yeah, maybe you're not out there committing adultery. Maybe you're not out there doing this thing, that thing or whatever, but like coveting, like where are we at with that one? It's huge. It's so widespread and it's so accepted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where there's not really sermons on like, yo, like we will reference it, but we don't take it as you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. It's like, would God bring judgment on breaking one of the Ten Commandments? Well, what if everybody's doing it all the time? And it's what it leads to. Yeah. Like, it's not just that, you know, when you covet, it just stays internally in your mind. Or right. Something. That's what I'm saying. Like, it yeah. leads, it progresses, it, it, uh, uh, the best way I've ever heard sin is as the description of erosion. Mm-hmm. Because over time, it's just constantly eating at the thing um, to where, uh, what was it that it finally breaks? Like, I, uh, I, gosh, I think it was Chuck Swindoll who gave this illustration and it's just stuck. It's been like years since I heard it. But they had put like a metal object in, in, a, in a lake. Mm-hmm. And uh, like over time, the, the person the would go and look at it and see the rust. And then finally that metal object just broke. Mm-hmm. Um, because over time it just ate at it and ate at it and ate at it. And this is what we're really seeing here take place. This is what Lamentations is. It's the back end of years of just giving into the flesh, giving into what we want. And it's finally, it, it's that moment and we see it. And then it's the, oh crap, how did I get here type situation. So kind of with that, I'm just going to take chapter one. I'll read the first few verses of it in the message. Starts off, oh, 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 how empty the city once teeming with people. A widow, this city, once in the front rank of nations, once queen of the ball. She's now a drudge in the kitchen. She cries herself to sleep each night, tears soaking her pillow. No one's left among her lovers to sit and hold her hand. Her friends have all dumped her. After years of pain and hard labor, Judah has gone into exile. She camps out among the nations, never feels at home. Hunted by all, she's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right? So just looking at that, I don't know, just where my mind was going and my understanding of this is looking at, again, this is supposed to be God's people. Mm -hmm. And if I bring this to, I'm supposed to be God's person, right? And when you look at that, how empty the city that was once teeming with people when all of God's life and liveliness and fruitfulness is happening, right? And the way that it should be. And just like you picture Jerusalem just teeming with people, right? And just like the hustle and the bustle and like everything that's happening there. And like, here's God's people. And like, wow, look at this nation that's a light to the other nations. And when I look at me in God's will and all of the life and the hustle and bustle and the way that my thoughts are all coming in appropriately and my emotions are regulated and then my actions coming from that and all of those things, right? And it's just like fully set up. But oh, how empty that city. Mm. When we're going through that process, like you were talking about that, the sin eroding, 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 and now it's broken off. And like, this is what it is when that has fully eroded that it's like, oh, I'm empty now. A widow, this city, once in the front rank of nations, once a queen of the ball, she's now a drudge in the kitchen. It's like, I don't know if you or if anyone else has gone through that experience of like really being in a good spot spiritually that like, whether you're at church or in Bible studies, you're in your community, you're with your family or whatever. And just like, man, I'm like, this is great. But then secret sin moves in, and rebellion moves in, and distance moves in. Now where you were at the front, 
it's like you're a slave in the kitchen, mm. just in rags and not knowing, you know, how, mm-hmm. how you said, how did I get here? Talking about she cries herself to sleep each night, tears soaking her pillow. And when looking at that, I was just like being at that empty spot of being a person to where like, so to speak, the glory of God has gone and you're understanding why. It's like, oh, sin has finally caught up with me and here I am. Yeah. So I was just like, can I even cry the tears to soak my pillow? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's that bad. And no one's left among her lovers to sit and hold her hand. Her friends have all dumped her. And just looking at like, what is that on the personal spiritual level of, well, who were those friends, those sins that came in? Who were those lovers? We talked about covetousness a little bit, but like any of those things that came in at a certain point and you were talking about sin is fun for in that moment. Mm -hmm. And even in that moment expanded for a little while. And those are the great friends that are coming in, right? Those from uh, neighboring nations coming in. It's like, it's not coming from God. It's coming from the outside and they're coming in and it's a party and it's good times. And the good times are never going to end is the lie, but there's none left of them now. Like when, when you come to that point of, personal judgment and conviction where it's like oh the party's over and mm-hmm. i don't even say it's drinking i don't even want to drink anymore or say it was like thieving and lying at work it's like i i don't even want that like i just how did i get to this spot mm-hmm. so just really taking this idea of the nation and internalizing it and seeing like whatever it's talking about these friends and these lovers it's like well what's what are those in your life like sometimes it literally is physically another human being that exists that's pulling you along into different you know areas but if you spiritualize it a little bit it's you know what are these thought patterns what are these behaviors what are these temptations that they come in as lovers and then they leave you yeah it's interesting too because like we keep throwing the question out there uh how did i get to this spot Mm -hmm. and i was thinking about it when you said it a couple of times that like man as a christian when i'm actually following god and doing uh what he wants in my life I hardly ever get to the place of like, man, how did I get here? Yeah, yeah. It's always just full of joy. It's always feeling fresh and renewed. Like, oh, now I'm at this different place. But it's it is interesting in in sin. You see it so much that when people hit that thing or something happens or they get to that point of how bad things are, it's always the how did I get here? I think I remember I shared this a long time on on one of our episodes. David Tripp, uh, in one of his books, talked about a man who worked at a coffee shop, I think it was another pastor, uh, who worked at a coffee shop. Uh, and while he was there, he was slightly flirt with a woman and then uh, maybe make eye contact and smile and then t- turn into flirting. And then eventually it turned into one woman that he really, really liked, that he pursued. He followed her to the grocery store and showed up to her doorstep and was like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be more prevalent in the life of living for yourself. How did I get here? And not in like the, how did I get here? I'm so thankful. Right. But how did, woe to me, how did I get here? And I really like that Lamentations almost presents that in its own way of like, how did we go from supposedly being the beauty of perfection and the joy of the whole earth to empty? And the how for me, so kind of taking that same thing, but now going, um, Chapter, what chapter is this? Chapter two, verse nine, saying her city gates, iron bars and all disappeared in the rubble. Her kings and princes off to exile. No one left to instruct or lead. Her prophets useless. 
They neither saw nor heard anything from God. And then verse 14, your prophets courted you with sweet talk. They didn't face you with your sins so that you could repent. Their sermons were all wishful thinking and deceptive illusions. And just really looking at that of how did I get here? Obviously, if this is Jeremiah writing this, Jeremiah was a prophet who didn't come with sweet talk. Mm -hmm. He presented the sin. He tried to say, turn now because you're headed towards destruction. This is a message from God telling you this is going to happen. And it's like, you you were saying 900 years? Yeah. And this is like the full culmination in exile to Babylon is like the worst thing since Egypt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's, It's bad. And... How do we get there as individuals is that God all the time, it's his will that we would repent, all of us, that we would come to know him and that we would come again in repentance, that we would enter into life with him, that none of us would perish. But who are the kings and the princes and the prophets in our life that we would rather listen to? And for me, honestly... I'm just super spiritualizing that to like, well, my the kings and the princes are like, well, who's ruling over this and making sure everything's provided for and protected? And the prophets are the ones of like, well, where's the spiritual direction coming from? And the Bible says that your heart is a liar and deceitful above all things. I can get to a place where my supposed spiritual direction, things are fine. This is good. Look at what you're working on. Like, this is just going to end up in such a good place and just like, I feel like I haven't really been reading my Bible or praying. No, it's good because just look at what you're working on. And like, this is what you should be mm-hmm. doing and what it's going to build towards. Like, this is going to bring blessing into your life. Like, the Holy Spirit's trying to come in, just like Jeremiah was trying to come in. And just like, well, what are you going to listen to there? Because the prophet, the internal prophet, the internal deceiver, the flesh, you can even bring it into the deceiver, the enemy, and spiritual, you know, influences coming in. Is going to lead you to, nah, this is good. Keep going in this direction. You're mm-hmm. okay. And when you're looking at Jesus's thing is to die to yourself, well, the opposite of that is to live fully for myself. Then like, who's the king in that situation? Mm-hmm. Me and my flesh. Mm-hmm. So just like, oh yeah, my, my king. I'm the king. I'm the ruler. Mm-hmm. And just looking at how did I end up here? Well, I put myself on the throne as the full director of my life and what it should be. And I let my heart direct me to things that were contradictory to God. I didn't want to hear about sin. I didn't want to hear about conviction. I put it in my own hands to build up life. I hope you really get this pop reference culture joke. We become Judge Dredd. We become the law. Never seen it. Ah, Mr. I am the law. You know, Sylvester Stallone, you got to go watch that. It's a great movie. It's cheesy. But in that sense, we become like we're the law. We're dictating what's rule and what's governor. And we are the judge over what's happening in our life. Like you're saying, we are saying this is okay and this is no longer okay. Uh, What I really like about Lamentation, too, is uh, it doesn't shy away from the questions or the real questions that sometimes we have in these moments. Like uh, it kind of directs into this is what's happening um, and throughout it, it's littered with questions of why it's happening, almost confusion in a sense of what's happening. Uh, but then there's also like, well, yeah, we know why this is happening because mm-hmm. of these things. Uh, but it doesn't shy away from like the questioning of what's going on and what's happening and really who God is, like the questioning of God in the midst of all of this. And 
I feel like this is helpful for me because there's a difference between like suffering for the sake of the gospel, the gospel, and then there's suffering because I'm stupid. And when I'm suffering because I'm stupid, um, it's almost like, how do we get out of that rut and turn around? How do we then turn back to God, right? How do we then move forward? And this this book offers all those questions of like, you're in the midst of that kind of moment. It's there where you're confused about why this happened. Oh, but we were supposed to be, but now look at where I'm at. And I heard it said that uh, Israel's suffering is an expression of A through Z, uh, trying to express what is inexpressible. So when we talked about like how each poem, except for one of them, is like the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like they're trying to go through A through Z of their suffering, and there's confusion of what's happening. Uh, and I read this in a commentary, and I thought it was super cool. It said, it has been said that Lamentations is built on contradictions, not consistency. There can be no systemizing of Lamentation. It is a whirlwind. After all, people are going through personal loss and are, t- and are entitled to speak in confused fashions as they are casting around from, for some uh, meaning in the darkness. And a focus on theological analysis may be a way of avoiding facing the pain that the poem is expressing. Lamentations is more about the expression of suffering uh, than the meaning behind it. Its aim is to give grief a chance, but theological implications are present in the expression of pain. And I don't think that Jeremiah is trying to explain away the tragedy, but really he's confronting it. And to me, it's kind of like, where do we then shift, right? Where does the paradigm shift from like, I know why I'm going through this, but where do I make the right decision to kind of move my life back? And I found that in chapter 3, verse 41 through 42, it says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, we have sinned and rebelled and you have not forgiven. And I think this verse is such a key part of the gospel message because it it brings up the subject of repentance. And here you have uh, Jeremiah saying like, hey, let us examine our, our ways. And then it goes into, we have sinned. We have rebelled. We have done it. This is This is on us. It's not often presented anymore or really talked about in the church so much is the concept of repentance, mm-hmm. like deep, real repentance. What does that mean? It goes beyond like the the cute little prayer we have people say of like confessing our sins, but it's like turning away and actually changing our life structure and our life patterns so that we do follow in a relationship with God. And it, repentance is a key to the uh, our relationship to God. Um, and I like that, that it has that examined because it's more of a search uh uh, of an examination of our conduct, mm-hmm. how we're acting, how we feel. So here, again, we see Jeremiah is just acknowledging all of Jerusalem has sinned, uh, all of Israel, but he knows the only place he can have forgiveness is in God. So kind of going with that, I'm going to back up a little bit, and I kind of don't like, I mean, it's called lamentations. They're mm-hmm. going through a hard thing, and especially when I'm taking and trying to apply it on that more personal level, it's like, man, this is really downer. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about being in that rut and then what gets you out of it, I want to really bring out that when you're in that rut, uh, going back to chapter two and this whole thing is like enemies coming in Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and your own Kings and princes and prophets, like everything's led you to this place. And if you have willingly taken part in it, 
But 2.15 and 16 says, Astonished passerbys can't believe what they see. They rub their eyes. They shake their heads over Jerusalem. Is this the city voted most beautiful and best place to live? But now your enemies gape, slack-jawed. Then they rub their hands in glee. We've got them. We've been waiting for this. Here it is. Right? And looking at that, I just... When you're in that rut, when you notice that there's distance between you and God, it's like, yes, your own conduct, like you were saying, brought you to that place, but we need to be aware that there are also enemies that want to keep us in that place. There's enemies internal and external, the internal enemy being the flesh, that part of you that, as scripture says, will never want to submit to God and is always going to be opposed to him. And I wanted to talk about another place with Revelation, sorry, another place with repentance, and it's in Revelation uh, chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, and it's saying that at that point, that even when all of the tribulation of the end times is coming down on people, they still won't repent. You familiar with that Mm -hmm. in the book of Revelation? And it's like, there is the part of you in all of us, the flesh, that just will refuse to repent no matter how hard the situation around you gets. There's just part of me and there's part of you that just won't want to repent. Am I lying about that? Yeah. I am lying? No, no, I get what you're saying. (laughs) But like you were saying, to bring it to that point of repentance, it's, so what I'm saying is within all of that, Anybody that finds himself in the situation of distance from God, of rebellion, of going through, feeling like judgment is upon them and just like their sin and there's everything else, it is an opportunity. And by the grace of God, this opportunity is there that you're seeing it and you need to fully throw yourself into full repentance and not trust that like, ah, oh, there will be a time later to do this. Like, no, you have enemies internally and mm-hmm. externally, spiritually that want to keep you down and bring it and make it worse. Like if there is that glimmer of like, there is God, I need help in this situation. The way that uh, you read a good one in, in chapter three, but to continue in chapter two, it says, give out heart cries to the master, dear repentant Zion. Let the tears roll like a river day and night and keep at it. No time outs. Keep those tears flowing. As each night watch begins, get up and cry out in prayer. Pour your heart out face to face with the master. Lift high your hands. Beg for the lives of your children who are starving to death on the street. Right? Mm-hmm. And just uh, saying, there's no time outs. Like even nighttime comes, like whatever it is, cry out to God because that's the only way of salvation. God is the way of salvation. And I don't know if you've been in the situation to where even, man, you're wanting to repent and make things right, but it seems like you can't even get that. You are fully stuck in that rut. So it's like, yes, if you can't, that's why you need God to come and save you. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? That's why you cry out because like you're incapable of doing such in whatever that situation looks like. And yeah, to bring it to that point of repentance, I think that the point of repentance yes there is that correction of our own conduct like you were saying but it needs to be fueled and driven by and towards the spirit you know Mm -hmm. in order for it to really transform us because what we're saying is like i'm dead this is what spiritual death looks like god you are life i need your life to come into me 
and give me life. So like that's not something I can do for myself. Yeah. So that's the act of repentance. It's making the dead bones rise. You know what I mean? We're going to do an edit break just to break up this episode of Lamentations into two parts. Uh, But to let everyone know as we are wrapping up this part of it that next week is our 100th episode. Yay. Yay. We made it. What is that? 100 episode in 16 years? How long have we been doing this? Yeah, no, two, two and a half. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, but you know, we finally made it to the point of we kind of know what we're doing. Yeah, you, sh- you, you really do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next week's 100, and then after that, we'll have the follow-up of Lamentations. So I am Chris. Real quick, before I do my outro, our 100th episode it is a pre-recorded live episode which yes. we've never i guess this is a pre-recorded live episode because we're, we're gonna do it in front of an audience which would be pretty cool right yeah and still there's a time if you want uh you could email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com uh just to send a little voice message of what you've learned from the show appreciation of the show or whatever and i'm your and we are your church friends thanks for listening Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amos.